0: Well, all right, it's good to see you this evening. I'm going to ask you to take your Bible this evening and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're almost uh, through a study of this little book. And uh, I want to share something with you tonight. And, I, and you know, I always like to see a house full of folks. But there are some messages that are really easy to to, to share, and there are some that are not so easy to share. And and whenever you get one of those that aren't so easy to share, maybe it's easier to share with not so much of a house full of people. And and so I just want to share with you tonight a, a message found in, in verses 12 and verse 13 of chapter 5. And, and I want to, uh, to just talk to you about maybe some practical things uh as far as uh, our, our churches are concerned. And so let's notice, if you would, Matthew. 1 uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12, uh, down in verse 13. Paul says, And we beseech you, brethren. Now he's talking to church folks here because he's talking about brethren here. We beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. You know, there's two very disturbing trends that are seen in church life today, and and both of them kind of relate to pastors. One of those trends that I see in church life today is the conflict that many times centers around the pastor. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever been in a church split. I hope none of you have ever been. But I can remember as a as a teenager that our church split. And we went from about 230, 240 in Sunday school down to about 100. And it took place over a six-month period, and it involved the pastor. And, and I can remember as a little kid sitting on the back row of our church and One of our deacons got up, and and in our service, he actually called our pastor uh, a derogatory name and questioned his parentage. And I can remember my buddy and I sitting back there saying, do you think we can take him after church is over? And my buddy said, no, I can't take him. And I said, I can't either, but together we'll whip him. And one of the very few times that my, my parents ever came to church, because, you know, when you have a church conflict, everybody wants to get in on it. And, and as, as Frosty and I started towards that deacon after church was over, I remember my daddy grabbing me by the back of uh, my neck on uh, my clothes, and he pulled me home because he knew what, what was going through Mike's mind when the service was over. But, but that conflict resolved around the pastor. And, you know, many times that conflict is, is noticeable when the pastor tries to lead the church or when the church grows under his ministry. I've actually had people tell me before in in meetings, you know, our church was doing really good until you messed it up by bringing all those new people in here. And and sometimes churches resolve around that. That trend's also seen when the church stays, uh, when a pastor might stay longer than three years in a church. When I became pastor at Ashland Baptist Church in Ashland, Louisiana, the the second week I was there, I met with our deacons and we had a couple of pastors that had retired and they were in our church. And they told me, Brother Mike, we, we just want to tell you up front that two years is as long as any pastor needs to stay at our church. And I went home and told Becky, don't unpack. Just don't unpack. I mean, and, uh, but, but they had gotten into that mindset that two years was as long. And, and after I left, after two and a half years, they, they had a pastor that stayed five, and there were some severe problems there because they just felt for some reason that two years was as long as a pastor needed to stay. And sometimes when these things happen, the church grows, or the pastor exerts leadership or stays too long, there's often a push by the people to get rid of the pastor. And so what you have is conflict. And in many of our churches tonight, there is conflict going on within the church. I think the second thing that happens, a disturbing trend to me in church life, is the number of pastors that are quitting the ministry. Last year in the Southern Baptist Convention, there were over 5,000 pastors that quit the ministry, just dropped out. Now, I know that some of that's due to immorality. And that's the ones that we hear about, isn't it? I mean, Satan's going to make sure that you hear about when a pastor falls. But, but some of it is, is not due to immorality. It's just flat due to burnout. And I'm just fed up with this, and I'm, and I'm quitting. About four years ago when I was at the, at the Southern Baptist Pastors Conference in, in Alexandria, we have a pastor's conference every year out there, one of my men that had come with me, he came running in and he said, Brother Mike, you've got to come with me. You've got to come with me. Well, I wondered, you know, because he never stayed in the conference. He was always out in the, in, 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 the, in the foyer talking. That was his ministry, the ministry of Gab. He had that. And, and, and he said, you've just got to come with me. I said, what's going on, Wes? He said, there's a young preacher out there and he's bawling and he says he's not going to ever preach again. And so I left and went out with Wes and we never did find the young man. But I've always wondered, did he stay in the ministry or did he quit? It wasn't that he was immoral. He had a good heart from everything Wes said. He was just tired and worn out even at an early age. And so as Paul begins to to close this letter to the Thessalonians, he gives us some advice, I think, that can help us with both of these problems that, that are going on in church life. And I want you to notice that what Paul's saying here isn't just a little blurb to him. He says, I beseech you, brethren. And the term here is I beg you, please listen to me. That's the idea that Paul is saying here. Because what Paul wants to share with us and 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 I think with a modern church today is something that's very important. And I believe that if we're going to defeat the trends we see in church life today, that we need to, to notice what Paul first of all says about the pastor's duties. Now notice what he says here. He says I want you to know those that labor among you. And so the first thing the pastor's to do is he's to labor among us. Now, the pastor, the Bible tells us in in 1 1 Timothy 5, he's to to labor in the Word and in doctrine. I think it's interesting to notice in Acts chapter 6 that that they say that when the pastors had a conflict in that church that they were to devote themselves to the ministry of the Word devote themselves to the ministry of the word. And, if that, and that labor's necessary if a pastor is to feed the flock. He's to feed the flock. When I went to, to Ashland Baptist Church, we had a pastor that was before me. was a great guy, one of the finest men you've ever met in your life. He was always doing something for those folks. He was carrying folks to the hospital. He was, he was taking groceries to people. That was his ministry. He was always serving those people one way. And when I came in, he said, Brother Mike, he said, look, I'm a horrible preacher. He said, "I know it. I hate studying. I hate reading. I don't like books." And my ministry was to take care of these people, and he did. He had a tremendous ministry doing that, but they weren't being fed. They didn't know a whole lot. They were great people. One of the fine, they, in some ways that church reminds me of this one. It was the most because it was just a bunch of loving people, and and you folks were a bunch of loving people, but they didn't. They weren't being fed, and and, and if. Of church is going to grow spiritually as they feed on the word. I mean, didn't 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 Paul say that I that I desire that you or Peter said that we need to grow by by feeding on the sincere milk of the word, and then we grow by feeding on the meat of the word, and and, and we grow by getting into the word spiritually. Now, the pastor is to spend his time in the word if he's going to have something to say that'll be be a blessing and be beneficial to the people. Isn't that true? I mean, I've been in this long enough now, I can know when a pastor studies and when he doesn't. And probably you've heard enough preaching in your life, you know the same thing, right? And, and, and i tell you who can really tell that is the kids. We can fool adults, but you never fool kids. If you don't think that, take a, take a children's class and go in there unprepared. They know immediately. You don't bluff the kids out. We may bluff you out, but not the kids. And so to be prepared, you've got to study and get into the Word. And sometimes that's a drudgery. Especially in the spring of the year, I hate studying. I'll just be honest. You know what I want to do in the spring of the year? Until I moved to West Texas and the wind blew all the time. Huh? Yeah, you go fishing, you play golf, you're outside walking. I mean, and when you come out here and you play golf, you hit the ball and you never know where it's going to go. Of course, I played that way anyway, but I've got an excuse. But you've got to study, get into the Word. And secondly, the pastor's also to labor in prayer. See, like the Old Testament priest, the pastor's to be interceding for his people. Now, that's not something that we see, is it? Hmm? Hmm? Because Jesus said you shut your closet and you, you, you do it in private, isn't that true? And, and besides, uh, who wants to hear their name and all of their problems mentioned in front of the whole church, right? Dear Father so-and-so came to me in a counseling Said, no, no, we're not going to do that. Uh, that doesn't happen. But he's to minister in word. He's to minister in prayer. And, and, and the battles of the church really are, are battles that need to be fought on our knees. So that that calls for prayer. In Acts chapter 6, the Bible tells that the pastor is to devote himself to the ministry of prayer. And then the pastor is to labor among the people by ministering to him. Ministering to the sick. and to the, Ministering in outreach. And, and ministering to the broken hearted. He's to labor. Secondly, notice what he says here. To remember them that are over you in the Lord. He's to provide leadership. And one day... Uh, the pastor's going to stand before God and God's going to give him a critique on how well he did. Now, that's the one thing that I don't look forward to. Mike, you are too overbearing here. You you didn't provide enough leadership here. You, You let things go that you should have taken care of here. And you spent too much time on this hobby horse here. I mean, let's face it. All of us are deficient in areas of life, are we not? And the Bible says, though, that one day the pastor's going to answer. And I know that we've set the church up as a democratic institution, haven't we? I mean, let's face it. We like to vote as Baptists, don't we? Hmm? But, you know, even here, when we talk about voting, there's someone that's going to lead the church in that vote. Is that not true? There's someone that's going to be influential and lead the church to vote in, in, in a certain direction. And, you know, down through the years, I've had had people make statements like this. Brother Mike, we don't want you speaking on this issue because you might influence the people to vote like you want them to. I thought that what leadership is all about, isn't it? When we got ready to do a building program one year, I met with the finance committee and and I was told this. Brother Mike, don't exert your influence in this issue at all because you won't be around long enough to see us get it paid for. Okay? And I've even had somebody say this one time, Brother Mike, I know you're trying to lead the church, and I know that the Bible says that, but we don't care what the Bible says. <laughs> I can laugh about it now, but I didn't then. You know, and most pastors have this dilemma. I don't want my people mad at me, but I want to do what God wants me to do. And that's the great conflict in most churches tonight. And I think Bryant and Shirley can probably relate to that more than anybody else in here. That's the great conflict. But the pastor's to lead the church. And then notice he's to admonish the flock here. He's to admonish the flock. Preaching's to be a priority. And preaching, uh, the, the pastor needs to encourage and motivate Sometimes rebuke and sometimes instruct. Now, I want you to notice the attitude, though, that the church needs to have towards the pastor. Now, now, back up to verse 12 and notice what he says. We beseech you, brethren, that you know them that labor among you. You need to know the pastor. That's the idea here. And that means that the pastor's to be more than just the hired hand. Now, many of our churches today, the pastor is just the hired hand and he's the permanent visitor. Come on, let's be honest about it. But the church is to make the effort to get acquainted with the pastor and develop a friendship with him. That's the idea. Now, by getting to know him, the text also carries the idea about allowing him to be himself. See, God works through personalities, does he not? Now, think about it tonight. Look around. Just look around. Go ahead. Everybody in here has a different kind of personality, don't they? How many of you are quiet, have a quiet personality? Kale, Dennis, Rita? No, Zach, you don't have a quiet personality. (laughs) How many of you are loudmouths? I'll raise my hand on that one. A few of us are like that. How many of you just naturally have the personality that you have to fight being discouraged. Anybody here like that? You're just, your temperament is just that you, you wake up in the morning wondering what's going to happen next. Some of you are like that. Some of you, are, 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 you know, go to the mirror in the morning and you look in the mirror in the morning and say, Good morning, world. I had a guy I roomed with in Bible college, and every morning at about 5.30, he would go to the mirror and say, Good morning, Bo! It's a wonderful day! Shut up! Yeah. God works through personalities. And one of the things about about getting to know a person is letting that person be themselves. Because, see, folks, if you're trying to be somebody you're not, you're living a lie. And one of, the, one of the worst things that you can do to a preacher is try to make him be somebody he's not. I had a guy in our church for several years. Uh, you know, he came come up to me and said, You know, Brother Mike, if you could just preach like Charles Stanley, our church would really take off and grow. And I heard that so long, finally one morning he came out and said, Brother Mike, if you were just like Charles Stanley, and I stopped him, if I was just like Charles Stanley, I'd be in Atlanta, Georgia, making three times as much money as I'm making here. He never said that to me again. We've got to be ourselves, do we not? We've got to know who we are and be ourselves, and the church should let their pastor be himself. I think also a church should get to know their pastor so they can know his heart of ministry. God calls people, I, I, I think, in ministry to do different things. God never called me to be a mega church pastor. He, he just didn't call me to do that. And, and I'm kind of glad. I'm not a CEO type personality. God has always led me to a smaller church and worked with it till it got built up to be a pretty good sized church. And then he called me back to a smaller church. And when we came here back, he said, This is the ultimate test. Don't do this again. No. <laughs> And I really believe in time that God's going to do a great work here. We're beginning to see it now, and I think it's It's going to take off and go. Leavenland's just different than the other town I've ever been at. We don't have a lot of people moving in here. Amen? Until that ethanol plant opens up. But, you know, everybody's different. And if a person don't know what their pastor's heart is... They can get confused about where he's trying to lead them. Some pastors, their heart's missions. Every Sunday, you're going to hear a sermon about missions. Isn't that right? Some pastors' hearts evangelism. Every Sunday, you're going to hear them talk about get people in here, win people to Christ, bring them into the church. Some pastors' hearts are just on programs, and they're promoting one program after another. I've never been a program person. So somebody's saying, "Well, where's the next program?" Ah, this never had been that. You've got to let the guy be who he is. And then thirdly, I think, or secondly, a church needs to, Bible says, esteem him very highly for the work's sake. Now, folks, for the work's sake. Now, listen to me. Here's the part I'm not uncomfortable with, but I'm going to share it with you anyway. For the work's sake, church members should be very uh, very careful about criticizing their pastor. Am I saying that the pastor never does anything worthy of criticism? No, we do. Matter of fact, I used to have a school teacher in our church and she would take notes on my grammar and she would share her notes with me. But she didn't try to hurt at all. She was just trying to be very... Uh, it was constructive criticism. Bro, you'd be a much more effective preacher if you'd quit using this term and this term. And Every time I used to preach several years ago, everything was prefaced by bless your heart. You don't hear that much anymore, do you? After the 43rd criticism, I know We do sometimes deserve criticism. But if there's a need to rebuke the pastor, it needs to be in private. And here's the reason why, for the work's sake. Folks, if you have a habit of criticizing the preacher in front of your kids, then what you have just done is you have destroyed their respect for the pastor. And when they have a problem, they're not coming to him because they don't think much of him because you don't think much of him. And if you have continually done that down through the years, when they get old enough, they're not going to risk expect any preacher and they'll drop out of church. And that's what's happened to a lot of our kids, isn't it? You've had roast preacher for dinner, I mean, you know, and so they don't want it. I think also if we pre- criticize the preacher in front of a group of new converts, they'll get discouraged and drop out. And so reason why, when you start having the conflict between the preacher and the congregation, you start losing folks. And the ones you're going to lose are the little sheep. And if you criticize criticize a preacher in front of those who support him, you have conflict. Just like me and my buddy were going to whoop that guy. And that guy we were going to whoop was his uncle. I mean, that would have been a real good family situation, wouldn't it? For the work's sake people have a problem go to the pastor with it or better yet gripe to God about it that'd be good wouldn't it because God's big enough to straighten the preacher out isn't he Hmm? come on let's be honest I've actually had people say I'm praying for you and when they began to pray I realized what they were praying but God worked me over they were right because sometimes we do get out of line and God needs to work us over does he not And God can do it. And then the best way to to really bless a pastor is notice the latter part of verse 13. And be at peace among yourselves. I have been in churches before where I should have worn a striped suit and been the referee. And let me share with you if you ever put the pastor in a position where there's two warring sides and he's got to play referee, you have put him in a no-win situation. Because if he says this side is with the Lord and this side's not, that side's going to hate him and it's time to move. So the Bible says, be at peace amongst yourselves. That's why in Acts chapter 6, when the church was having a problem between the Grecian widows and the Hebrew widows, you know what they did? They elected seven men full of the Holy Ghost, uh, full, that were honest and full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, and they were the ones that solved the problem. Those men were called deacons. That's why deacons are to be peacemakers and not peacetakers. Now, I believe that God's desire for the church is that the pastor and the church love each other and work together for the glory of God. And and I've got to tell you, I have had such a a loving, peaceful relationship in this church in the last almost two years than any place I've ever been. You know, you folks are sweet people. Unless something's going on I don't know about. But But God never tended the adversarial situation we see in many of our churches. Let me just share this. It's an awful illustration, but it's an illustration of what's going on today. About three weeks ago I got a phone call from Calvary Baptist Church in Monroe. And the guy on the other end of the line said, Brother Mike, we're needing a pastor I said, well, tell me about your church, because I knew about their church. When I left Monroe, they were running 330 in Sunday school, great church. Well, we're not doing that now. I said, well, what happened? He said, well, our deacons got together and decided it was time for the pastor to leave, and so they asked him to leave. I said, man, you were asking me to come there? He said, but the pastor decided that he had the majority of the church behind him, so on Sunday morning, he went to the church with it. I said, what happened? He said, we lost 45% of our congregation. I said, then what happened? He said, well, we got to thinking about it later and we didn't like losing 45% of our congregation, so we asked the pastor to resign. I said, what happened then? He said, we lost another 50%. and he said, now you're wanting me to come and put it all back together. He said, oh, yeah, we'll work with you. Yeah, I bet you will. <laughs> Folks, that's what's happening all across America, not just here. In level, I haven't heard that in and praise God. Maybe we've, But it's happening all across America. And the problem is we need to get our eyes focused on what we need to be doing, and that's winning people out here to Jesus. Seeing folks come in here and receive Jesus as Savior. We need to concentrate on helping those Christians all across our churches that are brokenhearted, that are hurting. And if we could refocus in that direction, our churches would be full of people. And if you do get a bad pastor and that happens, amen, God's big enough. He could take care of that situation. So let's love one another and walk on. This is preventative. This is not to, trying to, to solve something because, folks, I appreciate the way you folks have treated us since we've been here. You have been more than gracious to us. and. And, and this is a great church. We just need to add folks to it. and Not bad apples, just add folks to it. Amen.